But we're going to continue on in our study of the book of Acts. You know, if you know anything about the book of Acts, you've heard me say over and over again, it's just the history of the beginning of the church. And man, I've got a vehicle out there with a sunshine coming off that windshield. And I'm going to try to find a put. Thank you, Grant. I'll stand right here. Um, <laughs> it's like the light. Anyhow, we've been going through the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is really the history of the church, and it's how the ministry of Jesus continued after he ascended, and he left it in the hands of his disciples. And, and we see a pattern in the book of Acts over and over again, and it's important that you catch this pattern. Over and over again in the early church, over and over again, whether the ministry was, was with Jews or Gentiles, whether it was in Jerusalem or Samaria or the greater parts of the world, we found that Jesus' followers performed miracles, signs, and wonders over and over again. Over and over again. And in our passage today, we're going to find that they were doing miracles, signs, and wonders there. It's just not an isolated incident when I read the scripture this morning in the book of Acts. Miracles, signs, and wonders are an ongoing pattern in the ministry of God's church in the life of a believer. Is that your pattern? I'm here to ask you that this morning. Is that your pattern, believer, follower of Christ, that you experience miracles, signs, and wonders? Now, I'm not trying to claim that it's like in some places of our cultures, in some places of our churches, that you'll never have trials. Because Jesus promised trials. So are you experiencing signs, wonders, and miracles, and trials? And persecution? Huh? Are you experiencing where you have to pray a long time before you get answers to prayer because they don't come quickly and instantly? Yeah, that's, see, that's real Christianity there. That's what we've been called to, and that's the pattern that the book of Acts sets for you and me in our walk with Christ. One commentator counted that there has to be at least 17 different instances in the book of Acts alone where miracles, signs, and wonders are used, and they help people come to saving faith in Christ. They help people find the Lord, open up their heart to Him, confess their sins, repent of their old life, and be filled with the Spirit in His presence, and be transformed and changed forever. How many of you were changed by the Lord? Because He touched you, yeah. Me too. You know, me too. And it's such a great day. I still remembered I smiled for a whole week. I couldn't keep from laughing and smiling, because my life was so different than it was before. That may not be your experience, because you grew up in the church, Maybe. And so you didn't have as much of a black and white experience, but that's okay. You still can have that experience of his power and his miracle-working power in your life. So I want you to read with me again another passage. I kind of was small. I was going to almost skip over it, but then the Lord said, don't do that. And this passage in the book of Acts shows us again that miracles, signs, and wonders play a role in bringing people to faith in Jesus. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to open it to chapter, Acts chapter 5. We'll read verses 12 through 16. And it says this, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Many signs and wonders. 
We don't know the exact number. We don't know if it was every day or every week. But we know that they performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. So they met in the part of the temple under, uh, the temple had a lot of covered porch areas, and they gathered there. And there were quite a few of them, because you know at this time there's about 5,000. So there's a big group that, that are gathering there under the protocols and worshiping the Lord and growing in the Lord. And it said that no one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. So the apostles were highly regarded, but people were a little respectful, and maybe just a little, you know, it was awesome. Because you know what just happened, right? Two people who were in the church, went to church for worship one day, dropped dead, because they lied to the apostles and to the Lord, and they were carried out and buried that day. That's kind of weighty. And you'd wonder if something like that happens in the church, you think that's a good growth, church growth strategy? You know, it makes people wonder, do I really want to go through those doors? My family used to say, I know if we go into doors, God's going to hit it with lightning and destroy that place. That's how they felt because of the way they lived their life. But I guess in this instance, God did. As we go on, so, but, but it said, so they had a healthy fear, right? They understood that God's very gracious, but God is holy too. And, and this is a real deal. It's not just something you play with. It's, it's powerful, and it's real. It says this, though, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their numbers. So it was a good growth strategy. It was a blessing. It led people to Jesus. And it says, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets, and they laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they passed by. Why? So that they would be healed. Now, it doesn't tell us that they were healed, you know, but it, tell, but it also tells us that they believed they would be healed, like the woman who touched the cloak of Jesus' garment. It was a way for them to activate their faith, to trust in the Lord. So we don't know if they were healed or not healed, but they believed it, and then it goes on. But it tells us this. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Yeah, they were all healed. That's what it tells us. They all came, and they were all healed. Wow, what a powerful, powerful scripture. I'm here to tell you, there's no doubt that the working of signs and wonders and miracles bring people to Jesus, right? They do. They do. That's why Christians should, did pray and should pray what Acts tells us in Acts 4.30, that God would stretch out his hand to heal and do signs and wonders, and they should do that because it will bring people to Christ. And yet we know that not everybody was brought to Christ. We know that there were leaders that were persecuting them. There were others who were snickering at them because there always will be jaded people who are not open, not willing, won't believe, can't believe, are unwilling to believe. So the book of Acts, but also the purpose of this message, uh, is not to argue that God still works miracles today 
I'm not trying to argue that. What I'm trying to do and what the book of Acts is trying to do is we're trying to affirm that God still works miracles today. Because he does. Because he does. He does. He does for those that are willing to receive it. Those that are open to receive it. Those that come before him in his will, he wants to use signs and wonders. And so how do signs and wonders help people come to saving faith? How does that happen? Well, we're probably not going to get through everything I want to talk about today, but we're going to try. Here's the first thing we want to talk about. The Bible tells us in our passage in verse 12 that the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Wow. There's a message in that for you and me. And that's really kind of our first point. There's a message in the miracles. Some of us may find ourselves responding to this verse like, like some of us, some have responded to my own personal stories of, of wondrous answers to prayer, of words given to me that were fulfilled by God, of great miracles of provision and healings that have happened in the name of Jesus for my family, for people in the church, for myself personally. Some may respond like this, and some have responded like this to me. Why doesn't God ever do that for me? Why don't I ever have somebody show up at the door just in the nick of time with the exact amount of money that I needed? Why, why don't I ever have God give me a word and then when I receive that word and I trust it, God does a miraculous healing and delivers somebody from cancer? Why, you know, why, why God does that not happen for me? I never experienced miraculous healings, though Jason said when we stop and we go, man, look at the great things God did, some of us can do that. We can do that list. And we go, wow, look at this, look at this, look at this. But others of us, I'm sure in the church, and you've, I, I've, I've heard you bemoan this, I, and I felt sorry for it, will say, that just doesn't happen for me. And as a shepherd, I want it to happen for you. But it hasn't happened for you. And so you ask, Why? I've never experienced miraculous healing. I've never had my prayer for healing for somebody else answered. And when I pray for people or needs, I don't get a word from God. I don't see a vision from God. I don't feel power come over me. I don't experience a miraculous turn of events or receive a wonderful, miraculous gift. I don't get it. It doesn't happen to me. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but you know that's you sometimes. That's all of us sometimes. We've had to struggle through that. Why? Why? You know, there's several different reasons, and we could take a long time exploring those reasons of why we don't experience the miraculous or wondrous answers to prayer or healing or generous gifts of provision but I want you to consider, I want you to consider, what's that, those bells? Is the Lord coming? Are you ready? Here we go. Okay, yeah. Silence that phone. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's probably my phone. <laughs> 
I want you to consider at least three positive messages that God and his word lay out for us in receiving the miraculous in your life, okay? I want to help you as a shepherd. I'm, I'm hoping I can communicate well enough that I can get you to step out in new ways and, and to actually maybe even dare to believe that God can do something new and great in your life. Here's the first thing. We must, to receive the miraculous in our lives, we have to pray in faith, and it'll be up on the board, for God's revealed will for your life. You have to know and you have to pray for God's revealed will in your life. I'm here to tell you, if you don't want God's will for your life, if you don't want to pray for it, cool. There was a time when I didn't want it, and I didn't want to pray for it. So don't pray for it. You know? But you got to have to, if you're going to experience the miraculous, you're going to have to want to pray for this. And you're going to have to pray for it. Jesus revealed in Acts chapter 1 his will for his disciples and their lives. And this is what he told them in verse 4 of chapter 1. He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you had heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8 he adds, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so he gave them that command. They had to choose. Will we believe it? Will we obey it? Will we do it? Will we go and pray and wait for this or not? And they did. But some won't. I don't know, maybe you haven't. But that's God's will for you. I'm here to tell you. To go and wait and to pray for this. Because He wants you to walk in it. You're not going to be able to be His witness without that power and that blessing. You're not going to be able to share. You're not going to have the motivation or power to do it. You're not going to be able to minister uh, in the Spirit or in any kind of power without it. But you've got to choose. You've got to pray for it. Jesus wants you and me to wait in prayer for the, His Spirit. And once His Spirit comes, once His Spirit baptizes us, He wants us to be His witnesses. Both of the good news of how people can be saved and then to live in the miraculous working power of His kingdom. But we have to want that. And we have to ask for that. The disciples first prayed and they received this gift of the Spirit and we knew that in Acts chapter 2. That's where they were, and the Spirit came. And He came and filled them with power. You remember it? You can go back and read it in Acts 2. But then they continued to pray for Jesus' will, and they continued to pray to be renewed in power. So in Acts chapter 4, what did they pray? Do you remember? In Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 31, they prayed this. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Because they had been persecuted, and they have been commanded not to preaching the name of Jesus. They were beaten. And so they said, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Have you prayed for that? God, help me share my witness with great boldness. Help me share your word with great boldness. Have you prayed that? How can you do it if you don't pray for that? You won't have the power. You don't have the vision for that. But that's what God wants for you and me. And then they said, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. 
Have you prayed for that? Do you expect that? Do you want that? That's what Jesus wants for you. And he wants for us as a church. We have to ask for it. And after they prayed, this is what Scripture writes, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And it wasn't just a train going by behind us. It was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Hold it. I thought they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You can be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled. You need it. I need it. We all need it. We all need to keep in this prayer. This needs to be our prayer. This needs to be where we land and we stay constantly if we want to be able to be Christ's witnesses, if we want to serve him, if we want to see his kingdom go forward, we've got to stay in it. Our passage today in Acts 5, it's the answer and the fulfillment of the disciples' prayer in Acts 4. Did you know that? When Acts 5 tells us that they were doing many miracles and, and many were coming to Christ and all these great healings were happening, that's what they prayed for in Acts 4.30. See, this is God's will for his followers' lives. It's what he told him was his will in both Acts 1 and 4. That's what he wants you to pray for, that he might answer that prayer and fulfill it to speak boldly that others would come to saving faith, to be filled with the Spirit, to know that fellowship and love that is so intimate, to demonstrate the miracle-working power of God's kingdom and power in the name of Jesus. Jesus wants you and me to come into that. This is God's will for you and me, and we have to pray to receive it. If we're not open to receive it, God's not going to make us have it. We're not going to get it. We're just going to kind of be tooling around the kingdom and tooling around Jesus, never connecting to the source of power and the blessing that we could have. 1 John 5, 14-15 encourages us in this, and it says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Well, this is His will. He's going to hear you. Do you know that? Well, you should, right? You can and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask for of him. This is important practice in prayer. Don't ever be bullied to hurry and pray a quick word of prayer. Don't. You see this, that if you want prayer to be answered, you've got to know that God hears you. I mean, take the time. And you've got to agree that this is the will of God. And when God speaks or moves or gives you an open door, you have a choice of faith to follow it or not. Follow it! Follow it. And then you'll receive what he told you you'd receive. But, it, but <coughs> sometimes we, we wane in our practice. We have some knowledge of this, but we don't act on it. See, when I, I often tell people, like, we talked about this before in James, the prayer of faith. Um, I don't just come up and hope as I pray for you for healing or whatever. I'm coming to you seeking Lord, asking, Jesus, what do you want to do to heal this person? Do you want to heal this person? <clears throat> or do you want them to go to the doctor because they haven't been there in 10 years? And 
And do you want them to get on an exercise program and eat less, right? See, I'm talking to myself, right? Do you want them to do that instead? And sometimes the Lord said, yes, that's what I want them to do. So you can be my voice and tell them that. So, and that's how you're going to be healed. But I wait for God to speak to me, to give me a word, a leading, or whatever. And I, I try to only go as far as that goes. And sometimes you get nothing. And you have to wait. And you have to say, I'm praying in hope right now. I'm praying, seeking God's direction, but I don't know it. But if I'm going to pray in faith, I've got to hear a word. I've got to see a vision. I've got to hear a promise. And then I pray in the name of Jesus for that power to be done in faith. Or at least I, I, I hope I make the choice to do that. See, that's so very, very important. That, that scripture, 1 John 5, 14 through 15, needs to be memorized by all of us. You know? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we ha- what we asked of him, we will receive. We will receive it. So pray in faith for God's revealed will for your life. It's in scripture. He's just told us here. This is one of the important messages in miracles. Miracles are saying that to us. You want to experience the miraculous? Then pray like this. It's what believers have known throughout history, throughout the beginning of time. But there's a second thing, and this almost is the secret of, of, of receiving the miraculous in prayer. It's praying in humility. Oh, man, you go, man, I do, I pray in humility. But then it's practice humility. I am humble. You know, you can be not humble to two extremes. Being humble is knowing your lane, Right? Being humble, we, we talked about, is knowing your space that you're supposed to occupy. It's not seeing yourself higher or lower than you are. So we can show arrogance or, or pride in ourselves by, by either thinking less of ourselves than we should or thinking more of ourselves than we should. By not wanting to step out in faith or really, wow, just trying to jump off the bridge in faith. Which is what people oftentimes think faith is. No, that's just, that's just risk-taking. That's just adre- adrenaline junkies in the spirit that want to do that. We're not called to that. We're not called to that. We're called to humility. Another message God's Word lays out for receiving this is this. We've got to act and pray in humility We must. We sometimes think it's the most powerful and willful people who perform the miracles. Or it's the super holy or godly people that God uses to do miracles of healing. Or it's this charismatic personality or this talented person that God uses to display signs and wonders in the church and in the world. But we would be wrong if we thought that. That's what some of the misguided representations in our culture show us. But I'm here to tell you it's wrong. Most things you see on TV are not real, right? Does everybody know that? Including church stuff you see on TV. Does everybody know that? People who are watching us online, do you know that? We're trying to be real, and I better be real. And these folks know if I'm real, right? But sometimes a lot of things are shenanigans, and they're not real. Rather, God uses... According to our Lord Jesus, the weak things of the world to confound the learned and the wise. Listen, got a hand for that. 
Woo! Yes. He guides and teaches and shows favor to the humble. But the proud, the Bible says, he opposes and is silent to. He hears, heals, and forgives not so much the person of great faith as he does the person of great humility. The person who bows before him. The person who yields to him, even when they're afraid, or they're concerned, or they're upset. That's an important ingredient to experience the miraculous in the presence of God in your life. And I want you to consider these scriptures because they highlight the centrality and importance of humility. And we're going to run through them real quick. You ready? 2 Corinthians 7.14. God's told us this. Man, it's it's such a simple, straightforward verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. See how important it is? And pray. You've got to humble yourself first. And pray and seek my face, not just my hand or my blessing. And turn from their wicked ways, confess and repent. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. I'll bring revival. But repentance and judgment comes first. Dealing with things comes first. Being humble enough to do what God's will is first. And then the miraculous comes. Psalm 25, 9. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Of course he does. Didn't Jesus say, I'm the good shepherd? He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you'll find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Jesus, and that's his way. Of course he teaches the humble what is right and shows them his way. Isaiah 66, 2, Has not my hand made all these things so they came into being, declares the Lord? These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit who tremble at my word. God notices you. He knows who you are. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We already said that. And then James three thirteen. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from true wisdom. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. 1 Peter 5.5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Does it ever say that only your talented elders? Only your righteous elders, only your elders who deserve respect, know it said, respect and submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, all of us. Because, because why? God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. See, it's not rocket science. If we're going to be prideful, if we're going to be vengeful, if we're going to be arrogant, Well, you put yourself in opposition to God Almighty. Don't expect to get it. Think about it with your own children. How much did they get from you when they come at you and they attacked you and they were arrogant and they wouldn't listen? Did did they get your blessing and your best? No. No. They got your discipline usually, right? Or they should have. You shouldn't expect to receive anything that way. 
But if you come humbly, understanding your lane, understanding your need, who you are, and being aware of that, man. One thing we've seen through history of God's encounter with man in our study of the book of Acts is that closed, unwilling, arrogant people, whether young or old, never get answers to their prayers, nor do they have nor do they ever see enough miracles or signs and wonders to ever believe and trust in Jesus. They never. And Jesus said that even when he walked. He said, you guys always ask for signs and wonders. He goes, no sign or wonder will be given to this evil generation. What was he speaking to? Because it just here tells us that signs and wonders are important to bring people to Jesus. And he allows his disciples to do signs and wonders to bring people to Jesus. Well, what he's saying is, the people who are closed, who are unwilling, who are arrogant, you can't tell them anything. They don't trust you. They won't listen to you. You can do miracle after miracle after miracle, and they'll never believe. Because they're not willing to be humble and open. They're not willing. They're the Lord of their life. They have the truth and no other. And they don't need anybody else other than people who speak the same language as them. But to the open, the humble, the willing to grow, trust, change, repent, willing to evaluate and say, you know, this isn't right. Miracles, signs, and wonders, they're waiting for them. And they're going to be there to help them come to saving faith. They're going to be there to help them come to a new life that's transformed by a relationship with God. God will come to them. So will you come humbly to the Lord? See, that's the message in miracles. Will you come humbly to the Lord, depend on him, seek to see and experience him, and repent if necessary, and let him lift you up in prayer? God knows if you're willing. That was my prayer. God, if you're there, why don't you ever save me from myself? God knew when I said that, that what I was saying is, if you are there, I will repent and follow you. But I need to know if you're there, so show me. And the Lord did. Because he knew I had humbled myself finally and we'd be willing to follow. The same is true in prayer for miraculous things as it is in being saved. We must be humble. So that's the, the second thing that we need to get from this, this scripture. But there's a third thing that we need to pray and a third message we need to get from miracles. If we want people to be healed, if we want Jesus to be glorified through signs and wonders, if we want to see people come to saving faith, guess how we have to pray after that? After we come, after we pray for God's will to be done, after we pray in humility, we have to pray boldly and for boldness. Boldly and for boldness. An introvert has to pray the same prayer as an extrovert. A one or two on the Enneagram, they got to say their same prayer as an eight has to pray. Believe it or not, us eights, we still have to pray for boldness and to be bold as we ought to be. Because we're willing to be bold when we want to be, but not when we ought to be always. Uh, that's a little more exposure for you than I need to give. Anyhow. So we have to pray for boldness. And as we receive it in faith, we have to pray to speak boldly in the name of Jesus. If you sense in prayer 
that God is giving you a promise. If you sense in prayer, he's leading you in a direction. If you sense in prayer, you're getting some feeling from the Lord. You have a choice to trust it or not in faith, to obey it or not in faith, and to boldly proclaim it, receive it, and walk in it or not. And you must do that boldly. Only bold, humble prayers of trust are answered. Come on. You see that over and over in Scripture. When people come humbly and in desperation, right? That's when the widow heard from the Lord and received a blessing. That's when the publican was left justified before God in prayer. It's, it's these humble, bold prayers. They're the ones that are answered. Token prayers, they're not answered. Nor are passionate, pumped up, inflated prayers, you know, where we get all out there and we're going to apply our faith and ba 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 ba, so that everything's on me and my faith. Eh. No. Those aren't answered either, according to Scripture. Not angry prayers, where somebody is trying to beat up or you're trying to beat somebody else up in anger in prayer. Not arrogant or controlling prayers, but humble, bold prayers of trust are answered. Hebrews 11.6 tells us this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anybody who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly expectantly and boldly seek him. Another simple verse, but one that's difficult to apply, or we neglect applying. You've got to believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder. A rewarder. Again, verse 12 tells us, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Why was this their experience? Well, the scripture gave us three reasons. Really, we've seen three reasons here as we've looked at the message in the miracle. They prayed in faith for God's revealed will for their life. They wanted it. They prayed in humility. We need you. Lord, we need you to help us to speak boldly like we ought to. We need you to stretch out your hand in the name of Jesus to perform great miracles and signs. We know it's not us, it's you. And we're willing to admit that and stand in that, and so we expect it. And then they prayed boldly and for boldness. So I ask you and me, are, are we humbly and boldly expecting his promised will and reward for us? Are we doing that as we pray for things and pray for others? These are just three messages in the, this miracle, and there are pro probably many others. But they're things that can help us grow on to receiving the miraculous in our lives. If we are not, God wants you to see it. He wants you to experience it. But let's hit on just two more things that I have in your outline so you can fill your outline out, even though I'm just going to kind of run through them. There is the miracle of more miracles. Uh, some theologians and Bible commentators say that miracles were only for a certain time. They're, they were necessary to affirm the gospel uh, to authenticate the, the apostles' ministry in the church. Um, I'm here to tell you there's no mention of that ever in Scripture. So I see people go, right, that's true. But you know what? That, that dogged some of us down for a while because we thought they were only for a certain dispensation, and that's a big word they use in theology at times, and that they really weren't for now. 
and that there are other things going on with these signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, I'm here to tell you they're misguided when they say that. The scriptures never talk about that. There, there isn't anything in scripture that will substantiate that. So, you need to know that there's a miracle and more miracles, because miracles continue. They did throughout the book of Acts. They did in the life of the church wherever there was vibrant faith. Wherever people prayed for God to stretch forth his hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders, those things occurred. But we know there are times and periods in the history of the church where it didn't occur because others didn't believe it anymore. And they didn't humbly and boldly come to God in prayer for it. And so, that happens along history. We lose doctrines, and we lose certain practices that we need to have in the church. That's what we've done from the very beginning. It's a human nature to do that. We need to see there's a miracle and more miracles, and God wants to do more miracles. And I'm here to also tell you, if you've had five miracles, you only have two left, because seven is the perfect number. See, that's how we feel sometimes. Well, God's done this for me. You know, I can't really ask for another miracle. Oh, come on. You can ask for as many as you need for the rest of your life. And the same for others. Ask for miracles. Expect miracles. There's a miracle and more miracles. And they did more. And they did them over and over again. And God wants to bring more and more miraculous into your life. So expect it. Here's the last thing. The magnitude and momentum of miracles. As you read toward the, the, the last verses of our passage, you see that. You see that, um, that the disciples were living and operating in, in kingdom power and in the miraculous, and it was growing and developing, and their ministry was growing and developing and expanding. That's what happens. And it begins to grow and expand. And you begin to move, and you begin to trust and know when the Lord wants to do something and when He doesn't want to do something. I can remember when I was young in the Lord, I didn't always know that. And obviously, I'm a pretty exuberant individual at times with stuff and zealot. And so, I had just broken my hand, and they told me, you're not playing in that game. I was in high school. It was my senior year of high school. You don't get to play in the next game. It was a big game. I played both ways. I was a captain. What? No. Yeah. So, I go to church that night. I cut my cast off. And I'm believing in the name of Jesus for healing for this hand. I am standing in faith. There's nobody going to be more zealous than me for that. I'm kneeling there. I am just praying up a storm. And then I stop to listen to the Lord. And you know what the Lord said? Put the cast back on. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I'll bless you. This is, I'm going to bless you through this. So you follow me in obedience. I didn't like it. What? My strength is made perfect in weakness, Kelly. You trust me. I put the cast back on. I missed the game. I got to play the rest of the game from then on to the end of the season with it wrapped and everything else, and I didn't have to have it shot up. Uh, so that was, thankfully, I was glad about that. Um, and the Lord glorified himself in me and through me. Um, but I had to endure that. You see, God doesn't always give us what we want, but he does a miraculous. And it was miraculous for me. I needed that more than I needed my hand to be healed. I sometimes needed my wings to be clipped more than I needed to have them in sore 
Are you like me? For you that are like me, Lord bless you. But others, you just need to let your wings get out and soar, baby, and get up there. Because God wants to meet you there. So God brings momentum to miracles in your life in a a greater, more expansive reality. I used to always quote and hold an old adage that I saw one of my professors have. He was a learned professor, a doctor of theology, and I loved it because he balanced it with this plaque he had on his wall. And it said this, miracles only happen to those who believe in them. Here's a, a learned man who's the most stuffy, theological, educated person you could imagine, and yet he knew that the miraculous was still there, and he still had to believe that it wasn't just about education and knowledge and truth. It was about actually believing in somebody he related to and trusted. Miracles only happen to those who believe in them. But now I would add, miracles only happen to those who believe in them, who pray in faith for God's revealed will for their life, who trust in humility what he says and promises to them, and who pray boldly for boldness to receive, to act in faith, and to walk in his promise. If you want that, it's there for you this morning. I want you to stand with me as we close in prayer. Amen. Uh, We are going to bring in our kids from Kids Church because we want to pray over them and bless them as they start. And we want to also invite any youth or college-age folks, people going back to school to come, students who are going back to school, come up front here because we want to pray for you. So don't, don't rush down here. Just make your way down, though. And we want to also invite people in our church to come and lay hands on these folks, if you'd like to. Um, come and lay hands on some of our children, our youth, our adults. We have more youth that need to come down. Come on. Come on. And we want to lift you up in prayer. Amen. But we also want to pray. We want to pray that we pray these prayers, these prayers of faith for ourselves and walk in God's spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's so good to see you guys. We love you. Amen. So I'm going to pray for us to receive the miraculous, and then Pastor Grant's going to pray over all these students. You come forward. Come on. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the faith of your people. We thank you for the big picture for your heart that you have for all of us as followers of Christ, that you want us to experience miracles, signs, and wonders. You want us to experience a saving relationship with you. You want us to know your love and your intimacy, the power of your spirit in our lives. You want to use us to your glory to lead others to, the, to forgiveness of their sins, to others, to power, in their life, to be able to to live the life that they've been called and created to live. And so, Jesus, we ask you to, to begin a new work here today. Help us to pray these prayers, these prayers that the scriptures have laid out to us that we need to pray, to pray for your will to be done in our lives as it is in heaven, to pray, God, uh, for in humility and receive and act in humility, to pray in faith, God, 
to allow your miracles to move forward in our lives. So God bless us as your people and take us forward this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. And now hear our prayer, God, on behalf of our students and their families. We ask this in Jesus' name. Father God, we do thank you so much for our students. God, we thank you for their blessing and their energy and just, uh, God, the joy that they bring um, to all of us, Father God. And Lord, we pray in your name for a blessed year for each and every one of our students. God, we pray that they would grow in knowledge, that they would grow in maturity, that they would grow um, as students, Lord God. They would grow as young men, young women, young boys, young girls. God, we pray in your name, Lord Jesus, that they would grow in their faith this year. That, God, they would be lights. They would be lights to their friends, God. Lights to their schools, lights to their teachers. Father God, we pray that you would use them for your kingdom to bring blessing to each and every one of their schools and homes and wherever they are learning, Father God. God, we pray you bless them with great friends, great friends, good influences on their lives, God. And we pray that you would make them great friends that care about other students. God, we pray that you would make them leaders, leaders among their friends, leaders at their schools, leaders in their classrooms, God. And Father God, we pray that you would just grow them and make them righteous, Yes, Lord Jesus. God, bless all of our students. God, encourage them, make them excited, help them to be excited about the new year and the possibilities, God. Help them to go in faith and trust and confidence in you and what uh, the plans you have for them this school year, plans you want to do through them, Father God. God, help them to trust you this year when it gets difficult, when the the homework and the assignments and the tests are weighing them down, when um, there's interesting relationships going on, Father God, Um, when they're tired. Father God, help them to look to you for strength and confidence to keep going, Father God. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love our students. We're so grateful for each and every one of them. God bless them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Lord, bless your Sunday.